everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and today's episode features Glenn Underhill and Craig Etheridge of Disciple First. Disciple First is an organization that exists to empower church leaders to live, lead, and leverage their influence to ignite movements of multiplication. They help churches go back to the original purpose of the church, which is making disciples who make disciples. Glenn and Craig talked to us about the difference in superstar leaders who elevate themselves in the hope of growing their church versus disciple-making leaders who humble themselves and pour into and elevate others. Let's listen in and hear what Glenn and Craig have to say about that. Enjoy the episode. Well, welcome, and uh, man, I am so excited. My name is Glenn Underhill. I am the Executive Director for Disciple First Ministries. Uh, We are a ministry that works closely with local churches across North America and uh, and around the world and helping them to uh, really ignite movements of multiplication. And uh, it's really our passion and our joy. We love to do it. We, we talk a lot about making and multiplying disciples like Jesus and uh, just excited about uh, being here and being with you as we talk about a really important subject called the leadership trajectory. And I have a really good friend of mine with me, and we've been in the trenches together a long time, my friend. And so I'm excited to to do this with you. Why don't you take a moment, introduce yourself, um, and tell us a little bit about what you're doing and who you are, and and then we'll uh, we'll dive in. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Glenn, uh, and welcome everybody. My name is Craig Etheridge, and uh, I'm the lead pastor of First Colleyville uh, Church that's in uh, Texas right by the DFW airport, also the uh, founder of Disciple First Ministries. And so, man, super excited to join you guys today. Yeah, Glenn and I have been ministering together for 25 some years uh, in lots of different contexts. And it's just been our joy to um, to get our hands dirty in ministry. Um, that's really kind of the motivation behind this today is that I don't know of any church or any ministry that's not needing more leaders and better leaders. And if, you, if you're trying to hire leaders onto your uh, church staff, uh, you may find that that's a challenge. Uh, Glenn, you could probably speak to that right now. We've been in the process of that, and it's been quite a challenge, hasn't it? It has been. You know, and, I, and I think as you, as you think about that, I mean, any movement, you look at Jesus as he was, mm-hmm. uh, as the movement was growing, he, he also understood for that movement to continue to expand and to reach and to mobilize and then to deploy, you know, having uh, opportunity to raise up more leaders. And uh, I, I think it's something we, you know, as you and I are traveling together, uh, we hear a lot from pastors about this whole idea of, you know, how do I get more leaders? You know, you talk about disciple making, it's all great and everything, but I, I need help. We talk a lot about the fact that uh, if you make disciples, uh, you know we believe that God will will obviously out of that grow disciple will grow disciple making leaders. But uh, it's not necessarily just getting more leaders; is it's getting the right kinds of leaders. So yes. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, you know, as an executive pastor at, at First Colleyville myself, you know, we're, we're constantly, you know, as we're looking at staff or transitions or making adjustments and changes that, that, um, that leadership through all of this is, is a really big deal. So I, I, that's why I love talking about this, uh, what we're talking about today, this trajectory. How do we really develop disciple-making leaders, it's just very imperative to the overall scope and sequence of disciple-making. Yeah, no doubt. And um, so I hope that this is a, this is a session that will benefit you guys uh, that are watching, you ministry leaders, pastors, because you're in the trenches too, trying to find leaders, trying to develop leaders. You know, Glenn likes to say, you know, Jesus not only was a disciple maker, but he was a kingdom builder. That's a great way to put that, that yes, we need to make disciples. In fact, that was how Jesus developed leaders. And um, so your disciple making strategy is integral to your leadership development plan. And we're going to talk about how those things work together in this session. Great. I'm super excited. Let's get, let's get after it. Okay. Well, one of the things that I wanted to kind of start off talking about Glenn was just um, you know, we see a lot of ministers derail over over the course of time. You and I have unfortunately been front row seat to a lot of ministers that flamed out or, or mm-hmm. failed in some way or got out of ministry. In fact, I just heard a recent report that one of the reasons why it's hard to find leaders these days is because COVID was so hard that a lot of ministers have just opted out of the ministry altogether. And so there are a lot of things that can cause a minister to derail, but there's one thing that I think is looks like success on the outside, but it's really destructive uh, to us. And I just want to put this on everybody's radar. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is what I, I'm calling a superstar syndrome. Mm-hmm. And, and the superstar syndrome is really lethal in a lot of ways. Uh, the superstar syndrome is a person that, um, you know, they're, they're charismatic. They, they are not theologically charismatic, just in their personality. They're a gifted leader. They're upfront. They're talented. They're good looking. They, they have everything that you would say, man, they, they are the secret sauce. You know, they're the silver bullet. They're, they're the ones, there's the kind of leader that we need because they're going to really attract a lot of people and gather a lot of people. But, it can be a very dangerous thing to be a superstar leader, primarily because, you know, many times these superstar leaders, they're not developing people around them. They're, they're kind of like, I'm the genius and there's a thousand helpers. You know, I'm the one that that has the pixie dust on me. I'm the, I'm the reason why the ministry is growing. And it's all focused around a single person. But the danger of the superstar leader is if they're not developing people underneath them, then what do you do when that superstar leader leaves? Well, they leave a big hole, right? And uh, that superstar leader is not developing people around them, then then they can actually be the lid that holds you back. You think about that. You know, we think the superstar leader is what we need uh, to really make us win, but what we really need are people that multiply other leaders that generate and and multiply other leaders and raise up a cadre of leaders that can really multiply and move the church forward. A leader that is a superstar many times can be the very thing you think is going to move you forward when it could be the very thing that holds you back. Uh, Glenn, uh, that may sound a little 
conflicting, but have you seen that uh, in your own experience? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, as we meet and, and uh, work with leaders, I, I think it also is, it can be very detrimental in that that particular model can be very destructive in that, uh, that many pastors, including myself, we're just, we're just average, normal, everyday guys, right? I, I don't necessarily have those kinds of skill sets. I feel very called to ministry, uh, and we can look at that and become very discouraged and say, "Well, there's I, I, there's no way I can lead at that kind of a level or with that kind of a capacity." That's what I love about Jesus's model is that it doesn't require being a superstar, or right. it, it just it, if you just do what Jesus did and and really work His plan and work His purpose uh, through His pathway and process. Uh, and and seek to really honor him and then raise up other leaders as he did to help continue to spread the movement. Great things can happen. Uh, I think it's, that's why I, I, this stardom piece that you're talking about can be so dangerous is because we can also create a comparative game to that and go, man, I, I, I wish I could do that. Or I, I want to do that. And, and we're just, many of us just are not skilled. In fact, I even read a recent report that said it's, Maybe as many as only five percent, or or few fewer than that, uh, pastors are kind of in that what we call that entrepreneurial type um, style of leadership model, and the rest of us ninety five percent are not. And so we try to go and we do some of the models that they're, uh, you know, they're they're you know talking about, and we find ourselves on the other side feeling discouraged and defeated, and man, I can't make a difference. And I want to say, no, you you can be an impactful leader uh, and and really ignite a movement of multiplication just like Jesus did uh, through the work and the person of Jesus Christ utilizing his model as that as that way yeah I mean how many times you talk to a pastor he goes man I just need that unicorn you know I need that dynamic worship leader I need that incredible yeah. you know kid magnet uh, kid leader or student magnet leader and we're looking for that really guy that's got the secret sauce. Uh, and that's so attractive, right? I mean, you're looking for that. You think that's what's really going to move you forward. But here's the problem. Okay. You hook your wagon to that kind of leader. A, a lot of dangerous things can happen. If everything's hinged on a personality, then what happens when that guy fails? Right. Well, then you're, you're going down with him, you know, uh, also, what do you do when that guy moves on? How are you going to replace him with another guy that's just as great as the guy before? It's it's very, very difficult to do that. And I think also superstar leaders, they they can become uh, so self-focused, right? It's all about me and what I am. It kind of sets them up for failure and there can be very hard to deal with, you know, <laughs> kind of a prima donna kind of approach. And so, you again, look at who Jesus attracted on his team. They were not anything like that. In Acts, these were common, ordinary men, but yet Jesus did something with them that created multiplication. And mm -hmm. so uh, I, I think the, the temptation is to try to be attracted to a superstar leader. What you really need is something different than a superstar leader. You need a disciple-making leader. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I, well, that's what I was going to say, is I think we need to maybe think about the model differently, right? Think about the the idea of what that ideal look like, leader looks like and go, let's get back to maybe what Jesus intended that leader to look like and be like, 
And, uh, and, and I think we get back to, you know, honestly, we get back to change in the world. So let me, let me give a definition of a disciple-making leader and maybe draw some contrast between yeah. that and a superstar. Just kind of set the context for our discussion. So a disciple-making leader is one who leads out of the overflow of his or her walk with Christ and intentionally invests in others to produce disciples that multiply the movement. All right, so let, let's kind of break that down. Three parts. Number one, they they lead out of the overflow of their own walk with God. Mm. They're not just leading out of the overflow of their talent or their charisma or their skill or their resume, but they're truly leading out of the overflow of this genuine, authentic walk with God. That's number one. Number two, they intentionally invest in other emerging leaders to disciple them, also to encourage them professionally even, but they're constantly looking for scouring the horizon for these emerging leaders, attracting them, investing in them. And then the goal is that they will multiply their ministry through the influence of these leaders that they've trained. That's really different than a a superstar leader, right? Uh, So Glenn, what comes to your mind when you think about that that definition? What what jumps out at you? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think about you know, some, some of the guys that we've had here, I think about, um, you know, in particular, a guy by the name of Zach, you know, I, I remember Zach was a young, uh, enterprising guy, just was great, but, you know, wasn't walking with the Lord, wasn't really just kind of, he was doing kind of this church thing because it made his wife really super happy. And uh, lo and behold, you know, someone starts investing in his life, really catches a vision for what it means to be a disciple and then begins to be trained on how to be a disciple maker. And in the process of that, man, we began to recognize, man, Zach's got some incredibly uh, great skills in leadership, some gifting, calling in leadership. And so we just began to take extra measures and pivot a bit as he was walking through that process of being trained to be a disciple maker. We also began to really build him up and develop him as a, as a disciple making leader. And we gave him smaller pieces of, of, of things and he would do great. And then we'd give him another, you know, a little bit greater, more segment of ministry and some more and some more, and he would come along and then not, you know, let seven years ago, we brought him on our staff and uh, man, he's been knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Uh, and so much so that just, you know, just here recently, we, we brought him on our executive team. So I, you know, I think, man, what, if, what, that's kind of the picture I see when you talk about that is just, a, a normal guy who's, but had calling and skill, but you know, he was trained and long uh, because it does, it comes out of the overflow because if it's just all external, I can't uh, I'm never going to be able to take anybody where I've never been myself. Right. And I think that's so important to remember as a leader is if I'm wanting to create a movement of multiplication, I can't take people where I've not been. If I want to make people decide, if I want to be a part of helping people become disciple makers, if I am not a disciple maker, I am not going to be able to lead my church or people in that, in that direction. Yeah. You know, I think if you want a ministry that multiplies, then you have to have ministry leaders that multiply themselves. Yep. That, that may just be a, a takeaway. You know, we all want our ministries to multiply. But if our leaders are not multiplying themselves, then you can't multiply the ministry because that takes more and more leaders. Yeah. And, and I, so we, we have to constantly be focused on that. And I was I would say, you know, that's one of the things we've been really trying to get our hands around is, 
is if, if we see a gap in that, we need to be asking the question, why are we not seeing our leaders maybe who are, are or leaders who are multiplying and we need to, is we need to figure out, or if we're not seeing that continuing to emerge, we need to go back and say, is there areas that we need to shore up? Is there something that, that, that needs to, to be reconfigured or rethought about that are not helping us to get to that end product? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So let me just draw, draw a little contrast between the superstar leader and the disciple making leader. Yeah. And then we'll kind of we can kind of shift gears into how do we make yep. the, but like a superstar leader is really focused on me, right? I mean, on my, on himself or herself and look at me, I'm the star, I'm the super, you know, I'm the one that, that everything's about, but the disciple making leaders really focused on how do I build into others? Okay. The superstar leader is fueled by his own talent and his own ambition, but the superstar, uh, but the disciple making leader is really fueled by internally by his own walk. Uh, with Jesus. A superstar leader wants to be known. He wants to be the superstar. He wants to be seen as the go-to guy, but the disciple-making leader really wants to just be faithful and to raise up others behind him. A superstar leader wants others to serve him. Hey, I want you to serve me. I'm the superstar. But a disciple-making leader really wants to serve other people and invest in life in others. A couple more. A superstar leader really is more concerned about results than he is relationships, but the disciple making leader is concerned about results, but equally the relationships that he's building and investing in. Uh, the superstar is all about his accomplishments, all the stuff that he's done, but the uh, disciple making leader really is focused on the accomplishments of those that he's invested in, right? It's not just what I've accomplished, but what I've accomplished through all these people that I've trained. That's a big difference. And then a last one, a superstar, really, his impact dies with him. Mm. You know, when he, when his day is done, his impact is done. But with a disciple-making leader, his impact continues on for multiple generations because of his impact in the lives of other people. I think about Wesley and Whitfield. You know, they were great friends in Cambridge. And at the end of uh, his life, George Whitfield said, that Wesley, I'm paraphrasing, that Wesley has done it right because he invested in other leaders. He said, my ministry is like a rope of sand. In other words, it's just, you know, there's just, it was all about me preaching, but there's nothing that goes behind it. And I think, you know, what we need, pastor, leader, is we need to raise up these disciple-making leaders that are investing and producing multiple leaders behind them. That's what's going to move your ministry forward. That's what's going to grow and build a movement. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's really good. You know, it makes me think of what uh, one day Billy Graham was asked in an article late towards the end of his ministry, if he were a pastor in a, in a local church, what would he have done? What model would he have used? And he said, I, I suppose that I probably would have used Jesus model. I would have gathered around, you know, he said, I would have gathered a you know, group of a smaller group of men and I would have poured into them everything I know. And I would teach them how to do ministry. I would show them how to share their faith. I would uh, show them how to work with the sick and work with, uh, work with the well and, 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 and give them leadership skills. And then I would just send them out and deploy them to help, help grow the church. And uh, I was taken back by that. I was like, wow, here's a guy who's built his entire ministry on that large group, 
Mm. You know, even though he has a team of people, obviously, to pull all that off, here's a guy saying, hey, if, if I were going to do this and have a reset and really build a movement that's going to sustain and, and really make a kingdom's impact, I would invest my life as a leader into a few others who would in turn do the same over and over and over and build that uh, movement of multiplying disciples that would change the world. Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website, it's actually a community for disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today. Man, yeah, we, we just kind of lost it you know, in many ways. We've lost the model of Jesus. We're chasing after the superstar leaders and we're not developing disciple-making leaders, leaders mm-hmm. that multiply their lives and the lives of others. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I think this is why it's so critical. I mean, to have this conversation is incredibly critical. Um, you know, I, I think our times demand it. You think about COVID, you think about all the changing dynamics in our church. I remember being in a uh, think tank in Chicago uh, and they were saying, what if all of our churches had to shut down? And they kind of proposed this idea of like the government would shut everybody down. You know, how would your church adapt and survive? Well, of course, you're not going to adapt and survive with superstar leaders because you can only be in one place at one time. You'd have to have a, a whole cadre of leaders out moving and multiplying. And of course, that seems so far-fetched. I remember going through that exercise going, man, this is never going to happen in the U.S. And then COVID hit. I mean, just a few months later, sure enough. Every, every one of our churches was shut down. And I thought, man, that wasn't far-fetched at all. Mm. You know, and I think churches that, ha- that really had multiplying levels of leadership in their churches, they, they did okay through COVID. I mean, they, they were able to continue ministry through the people they had trained up. And um, they actually, some of them actually grew their ministry during that time instead right. of shrinking it. Yeah. So, well, and I love what Bill Hull says. You know, Bill Hull used to always say the crisis of the church in North America is the product that it's producing. Yeah. And, you know, and I think back, you know, uh, that end product. And I, and I think about that as it impacts even the church today. Uh, and I think, wow, you know, in, in some respects, you know, as the church has tried to pivot out of this, this, uh, the COVID era and, and, and we're still not back where we were to some degree. I think, man, the opportunity is is boundless. Uh, but because uh, our product is so weak and ineffective, uh, and our models are are not producing the right kind of the the product that Jesus intended the product to be, we, we are in fact where we are as 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 in some respects because of that. And, yeah, and no. if we can just lean into that a little differently and start 
really raising up disciple-making leaders who have a gifting and a call to lead, uh, man, sky's the limit. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about how do you do that. Okay, yeah. so I think maybe we've made the case that we need more disciple-making leaders, less chasing after unicorn uh, superstars, and more building up leaders that will multiply. That's how you grow the church. That's how you multiply a movement. That's what Jesus did. Then how do you actually do that? And um, so we want to kind of lay out um, two uh, pieces to this and then show kind of how they work together. Uh, so the first section is what we call a disciple-making pathway. You know, Jesus had a disciple-making pathway. He kind of unpacks a little bit of Matthew 28 when he says the goal is the product, as Glenn just mentioned, is to make a disciple that will multiply. And the way that you do that is said, go baptize, teach them to obey. And then, and he says, and I'll be with you as you multiply to the end of the age. And so we've kind of extracted from that these four steps along the disciple making pathway. And that is explore, connect, grow, multiply, explore, meaning that uh, it really starts with somebody exploring the claims of Christ, trying to find answers to their spiritual questions. And so we want to help people in that kind of exploration stage of their journey. And then eventually they're going to come to a place where they're ready to move to the next stage. And that is to connect with Christ through salvation to connect uh, with the, the church and community, and then ultimately to connect with the cause through serving uh, in some capacity. So that's that connect phase. And then out of those that are begin to connect, you know, they've given their life to Christ, they're in a, in a group, they're in community, they're, they're, they're beginning to serve, then you want to invite them to the third step, and that is to grow in their faith. And really what we mean by grow here is that you're growing up. You're, you're learning to walk and talk just like Jesus. You are, um, you know, I was thinking about Luke 610. I, I, that was uh, our memory verse uh, with my guys this morning at six o'clock, which I had my, my grow group then. And it said, and a disciple when he's fully trained will be like his master. And so what does it mean like for us to train men and train women to be like Jesus, to uh, grow in their uh, walk with God to grow in the way they reach the world and to grow in a way that they learn to invest in others. That's what that whole grow phase is about. And then ultimately those that are trained, then move into that multiply stage. Jesus in the, in the great commission uh, said, baptizing them in the father, son, and the Holy spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded. And then he goes on and I'll be with you to the end of the age. That command is the command to make disciples. That's what he just said in that, passage that the goal is to make disciples. So it implies multiplication. So I know I'm kind of going through that really super fast, but I just wanted to say that this movement from people pre-conversion to connecting with Christ through salvation, the church and, and serving, and then moving them into small groups where they can be discipled, and then ultimately moving them to a place where they can multiply their lives and lives of others. That is the disciple making pathway that Jesus laid out for us. In fact, Glenn, you and I, we did about a two-year study of the life of Christ, and we found that that literally, if you laid the life and ministry of Jesus to three and a half years across this grid, you would see how he did that in these clear stages. Yeah. So that's that's pretty important. Yeah, and I and I think uh I think it's really important because you know, as you look at Jesus, you see that he 
definitely was sequential and segmented. That meaning that there was a there was there were definitely phases that he was moving people through sequentially as they mm-hmm. were developing, uh, yeah. becoming that end product that he really wanted to produce. But uh, and then you think about segment that that each long along that phase there were certain benchmarks that he was wanting to develop in them as they were moving through each of those pieces of the process uh, so that they would, um, you know, turn around and, and do the exact same thing. So uh, to me, it's just, it's, it's revolutionary when you look at the fact that Jesus was so incredibly strategic and what do good leaders do? They, they, they develop a, a strategy of helping people to grow and develop, to get where they need to be. Yeah. Rather than being just a menu oriented and giving lots of menu and saying, hey, take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Jesus created this map that really helped people uh, walk through that to get to where they needed to be. Yeah, that's so good. You know, I, Glenn, I was just listening. I hadn't told you this earlier. I was listening to a podcast and there was uh, a guy talking about discipleship stuff, which always interests me. And uh, he had a lot of great things to say uh, about disciple making. but. One of the things he did, he kind of went through what does it mean to be a disciple? And he kind of talked about the importance of worship and prayer and uh, it was time in God's word. You know, he listed off, uh, I think, six or seven things. But one thing he did not mention one time throughout it was multiplication. Mm. And I thought, you know, that was the whole purpose of Jesus's training was to get them to the point of multiplying. And yet so many times when you read discipleship type information, they are they're neglecting that last piece. Why do you think that is? Uh, I, I think we uh, I think it's one of two reasons. I think maybe one reason is because it it uh, it's really the messy part of 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 disciple making, right? we We just see it as, hey, i'm 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 just gonna give them a few things and then they can just kind of go do whatever it is they need to do. but the, it, it's it's the neglecting of the fact that really at the end of the day we're uh, it's missing that piece of hey I'm called to really turn around and then to pour my life into others and help them to explore connect grow and multiply mm-hmm. and I think the other reason is because the people that are doing it with them aren't doing it themselves yes yeah and uh, I think and so you're not necessarily going to have and I don't mean that to say that the, the gentleman that was talking about that wasn't doing it I'm just saying uh, oftentimes that's what I see is we, we only produce what we are or what we've been or right. what we've seen. And so if we've been, if we've not seen that or we're, 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 we're going to just cut it short of that. You know, uh, as we're talking about this, I think sometimes discipleship and I'm using my little air quotes, uh, just using that term becomes a very kind of me centered approach. It's how I'm growing spiritually and we kind of forget that it's for the purpose of the mission. <laughs> you know, right. we got to diver- divorce it from the mission. And then multiplication is all about the mission. You know, this pathway starts with evangelism and ends with evangelism. It starts with my own exploration of Jesus and coming to faith in him, connecting, growing in disciple making, but then ultimately multiplying my lives and the lives of others. So all that to say is that that this is the first, every church must have a clear disciple making pathway. And we believe these are the basic blocks that Jesus uh, taught. And in fact, in our book, Bold Moves, we go into great detail about how this is broken down 
based on the life of Jesus. So you need that. But in order to build up leaders, you also need uh, another piece. And this is what we call the leadership pipeline. Now, leadership pipeline is is been kind of a buzzword over the last, uh, gosh, maybe ten years. Uh, I mean, certainly in the in the secular market, it's kind of now making its way into the church uh, vernacular. But there's a lot of talk about leadership pipeline, a lot of training about leadership pipeline. Glenn, you're probably hearing a lot about that when you do consults with churches. Yeah, you know, and I think it's because the the immediate need is this need, hey, we need more leaders, we need more, more leaders. And we're like, one of the things we talk a lot about is if you're making disciples, you have all the leaders you'll ever need yeah, uh, who right. make disciples, who make disciples. So um, again, we got to start back with asking the right question. And I think, I think what we have discovered is that the church wants to just, you know, unfortunately just make a lot of leaders without taking the time to really make disciples uh, to really focus on that in that in product. And then as you get people through that, you'll begin to see them uh, with, with, you'll be able to begin to observe, Hey, do they have a calling? Do they have skill sets? Do they have things that, that are, are, are leadership oriented? And now then we take this pipeline and we begin to work them through that, but we've, We've helped them uh, really become a disciple. Now we're helping them become a disciple-making leader. Yeah. You know, just for those that may be unfamiliar with this pipeline, this is kind of a typical leadership pipeline. We've we've added four levels of leadership. The first one is just the leader of self. That means I'm not leading anybody. I may be a volunteer, but I just I have to lead myself before I can ever lead anybody else. So that's where we begin. And then the next level up would be a team leader. Maybe this is a, a team leader that oversees maybe the coffee team or the you know, a guest services team or maybe a small group where you're going to lead a small group. There are so many teams in churches, worship team, but this is a, a person that gives oversight to a small group of people. And then the next level up are the leaders of leaders. This would be the person that oversees the, the team leads. And uh, this may be a whole section uh, of, of a church that, man, you're going to oversee multiple teams. Maybe you've got a, a guest services leader and they oversee all the team leaders of all the golf cart people, the coffee people, or the greeter people, or the usher people, you know, whatever that case may be, those leaders of leaders are very important. And then the next level up would be a leader of a department. So this might be a student department or kids department or worship department or communication department, uh, but they're going to lead a whole department of ministry. And then lastly, you have the leaders of the organization. These oversee multiple departments. This may be an executive team. This may be an executive pastor. Certainly a senior pastor would be in the leader of the organization uh, level of leadership. So the goal is in the pipeline is that you just want to constantly be moving people up through this pipeline and always looking and cultivating leaders that can move up from one stage to the next, to the next, to the next. And that's how you get more leaders. and, and uh, grow your church ministry. Uh, now, a lot of people have seen this as, as uh, the only way to do that, but they kind of miss the synergy that you get, which Glenn, you were kind of talking about. When you put the pipeline together with the pathway, now all of a sudden you've got something here that has synergy together where they can 
begin to to build. Uh, by the way, just just give a couple of these little bullet points. At, at each step of your pipeline, you've got to uh, identify the key skills needed to be successful, and then uh, in addition, you've got to clarify you know what's required at each level of leadership and begin to um, you know help people train people in that way. And and it's it and. and- just as we would do that for that leadership pipeline, that's also, uh, you'll hear us say in a lot of the, the coaching and the equipping we do with leaders is that pathway has to have those things. You got to define the key skills and characteristics yeah. that are needed at each phase as people are moving through the pathway, as well as to clarify the commitment, because as they move through, you're upping the commitment as they yeah. walk through that at each stage along that pathway. And then there's this great convergence of these two meeting together. Yeah. In fact, let's put those two together. Let's let's show them what we're talking about here. Uh, so you've got the pipeline uh, in the vertical axis, and then you've got the pathway along the horizontal axis. And so if, when you put these together, you get a lot of synergy, right? Because you're seeing now, how do these things work uh, together? And what I've drawn out here this L1, that's leader one, our optimal leader, our, this is our optimal discipleship pathway, is a disciple-making leader. And that is someone who you can see as they go along the pathway, they move from explore to connect, to grow, to multiply. They are at the same time elevating up the, I'm, I'm pointing to it on my screen like you can see it, but I know you can't see it, but I can see it. <laughs> uh, you're, you're elevating up the uh, pipeline. And, and so the point is that, you know, if you're a self-leader, um, you could be in the explore phase and that's great. I mean, you could, you could even, you could volunteer and not even know Jesus, you know, in our church, man, we would love for you to volunteer and not know Jesus because you're going to be around a lot of Jesus people. And, and you're going to through that come to faith in Christ. We've seen, we see this happen all the time, but if you're going to move into the connect phase where you're really coming to faith in Jesus, you're in community, starting to serve, well, then you could qualify to move up now into maybe a team lead. But then you wouldn't want to move all the way up to your leader of leaders until you're really growing uh, in these basic competencies of your walk with God. And you know how to invest in other people because you've been trained in the growth phase of the pathway to do that. And now you can apply that as you're a leader of leaders. But then, of course, you wouldn't want to. Uh, you wouldn't want to move up into a departmental leader until you're able to multiply your life into those leaders underneath you and into other people. And you certainly wouldn't want to lead the organization until you've proven yourself to be a a multiplier of disciples and a multiplier of leaders. And that's what qualifies you to be called a disciple-making leader. So, Glenn, just your, your thoughts about that? Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And I, you know, one of the things we see a lot, Craig, as we're working with churches, and I think even as we think about it here, is it's so easy to take someone who's eager and motivated and and show some signs of leadership skills, but has not been working through that pathway and start putting them in, into levels of leadership. And and inadvertently sometimes they sabotage. Uh, our progress because they uh, because they just they 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 don't have the 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 
the disciple making DNA in them yeah. that continues to perpetuate a, a movement of multiplication because it's, I'm, I may be able to do, I may have all these skill sets to go up the pipeline, but I'm not, it, it's not at all happening on, on the pathway at yeah, all. In fact, why don't you show them that next graph? Cause I think that graph shows that that's the problem. Yeah. This guy's a leader, yeah. but he's not a disciple maker because he's not progressed down the pathway. Yeah. And Glenn, I would say, man, that's the majority of pastors today. Right. You know, and we're, we're and, and, lay, and and laymen in the church. And I hate to use that word. That's not but just for the yeah. sake of saying this. But I we see this happen and we see this gap, so to speak, mm-hmm. between an L2 and an L1 all mm-hmm. the time. And yep. uh, we as we work with churches, they're like, man, why can we not seem to make progress and this becomes one of these identified marks is it's like the light bulb goes on and it's aha, we have a leadership malfunction because we've got leaders leading who aren't, uh, aren't leading with a, with that DNA, that, dis, that disciple making heart. They don't have the right knowledge and understanding because they, they've gone up this too fast with nothing of this hardly at all. Yeah, that's the superstar leader right there. He's jetted up the pipeline out of his charisma, his ability, but he does he has not progressed down the pathway enough to realize that it's not about him. It's about those he raises up around him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and so just so let me let's just get really practical about this, Glenn. What are the dangers of, of going out to churchministry.com or whatever format you use and uh, Indeed or whatever and hiring you an L2? What are the dangers of that? Yeah, well, first, they would not share that same DNA, right? The, the right. DNA of being a disciple, making disciples, uh, and, and that will short circuit your your, your process because it'll put a lid on it because they, they're going to want to uh, lead from a different model, perhaps in, in a different way. Uh, and that could definitely deconstruct what you're trying to build in the terms of a movement. Uh, I think another danger is that um, if left unchecked, sometimes L2s can, um, can, look really good on the outside, but on the inside, they are deconstructing and, and, and end up sometimes having, uh, you know, compromises in, in character compromises in their conduct because they shoot up so fast or shoot through so fast that they're just unable to, um, to, to handle that in a, in, in a, in a humble, uh, Yet in and in a in a in a Christ-like way. Yeah, you I, know, I think those are some of the two biggest things. No, I think you're right on. You know, I think uh, just building on what you just said, many times these these uh, L2s because they're successful and they rise up quickly, they can see their ministry as a surrogate or replacement for their intimate walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they struggle internally, spiritually which kind of sets them up for a failure, but man, they look so great. You know, they sing so great. They're so good with the kids. You know, they're so creative with, uh, with students or they're a dynamic preacher, but 
you know, they they're, they haven't developed enough along the pathway to really grow in these basic rhythms and competencies and skills that help them grow deeper and deeper and deeper with Jesus. And that's a really dangerous place to be. And I think maybe this is a cause of a lot of the fallout, burnout um, of pastors today. Hello, Disciple Makers Podcast listeners. I want to invite you to the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum here in Nashville, Tennessee on October 5th and 6th. Jesus had a strategy, a plan, and a roadmap for making disciples. In other words, he was highly intentional. He guided, coached, and developed his disciples into full-on disciple makers. And by living out the Great Commission, they changed the entire world. We're constantly gaining new insight about intentional discipleship as we look closely at Jesus. And if we're thoughtful and prayerful, we can apply many of those same practices today. So head on over to discipleship.org to buy your tickets for the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum. I look forward to seeing you there. You know, one other thing, and I, I, I want to see if I can say this in a way, and you may have to clean this up a little bit for me, but I think sometimes when you go on that L2, there's there's a lot of aspirational in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and nothing, I don't want to say that's wrong uh, within, a, within a certain measure, but we, hey, I, I, I want to, I want to keep pushing and pushing. And so what happens is, uh, I I go from one place to the next place to the next place to the next place when I I feel like hey they've they've forced me to hit my lid because I'm 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 not I'm not completely understanding I'm I'm here to help develop a movement of multiplying disciples and mm-hmm. that takes time and effort and energy and it's not about me but it's about it's about the 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 movement that Jesus is wanting to, to perpetuate. And so I, I just, I want to keep skyrocketing through kind of climbing that, that ladder, so to speak. Uh, and I, I am going to, at all costs, I become so ambitious that, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm no good to myself for the church. Yeah, no, that's, you're exactly right. Well, we've seen that many, many times. You know, another thing is I think about the dangers of an L2 is that, um, they can easily, because they haven't progressed down the pathway, they can easily have a do as I say, not do as I do mentality because they're not really living some of these spiritual disciplines out in their own personal life. And so they don't really want any examination or, or about their personal life, because if you crack that lid, you know, you're not going to necessarily like what you see on the inside. Right. Uh, they can't say, follow me, follow my example, you know, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ in, in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. And so they don't, they don't have that kind of mentality. And ultimately, they don't really build a lot of people around them. They don't raise up a lot of leaders because, as you said, they're really more focused on their career path, not on building leaders around them. And uh, they really don't know how to build leaders. around. They don't have a multiplication DNA because they, they're not uh, that you get that in the grow and multiply phases of the pathway. And they, well, they just haven't got there. Yeah. Well, and I think too, they, they, they might be able to build teams too, Craig. I, it is interesting. We've, we've seen this, but they build those teams for the purpose of um, accomplishing my, my, my vision, my goal, not, 
the overall, hey, we're working together to accomplish a movement. And we're, you know, as Jesus was raising up his disciple making team, it was with the mission in mind, not about about his own success and his own well-being. Um, it was it was about to he was doing in order to accomplish the 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 assignment that the father had given him to do. Yeah, and to empower these guys to go on and accomplish right. those great things, right. not just himself. Yeah, yeah, no, you're exactly right. I would just say that this is the real danger. You know, we're 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 chasing after L2s that give us a short-run benefit in ministry, but do not produce long-term results because these people have not really been down the pathway uh, and really developed a multiplication DNA like a disciple-making leader. Now, there's another uh, divergent path, and we call this the L3, and this is a person who's a disciple-maker. They've gone down the pathway, but they have not really elevated up into leadership. Uh, Glenn, why do you think that would be? Uh, I, I think some of it could be that uh, maybe as a church, we haven't developed a, a, a really good pipeline that mm-hmm. as we've seen, uh, you know, these, this calling and this gifting and these skill sets, we don't have an intentional uh, process that helps to develop them into an L1 leader. I think that would be probably the one that I, I see most often. Yeah. Again, um, I, I Hey, we, we, we were, we, we were there, we were there and we were, <coughs> excuse me, had to really work hard on this, uh, in every, in every lane in our, in our church. Um, secondly, I think, um, another reason is because, um, you know, probably more than, you know, that, but more than anything too, is this idea that, um, you know, sometimes, uh, y- y- people get through this process and they um, they want to continue to help others move through the pathway, uh, and they you know they maybe have a disinterest in wanting to lead. Um, that can be sometimes a, a, a piece of that. But we want to help inspire them to see, hey, if God has given you a gift of leadership, yeah. we want to cast that vision really well for them to understand. Their, F, their efforts and energies could bring great kingdom impact by them leveraging those, those, those leadership skills to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I think of two guys that I knew, uh, older men in my life. One of them uh, really was committed to moving people down the pathway, but really had no real interest in leadership in the church. And, uh, and so he really didn't have a lot of, he didn't maximize his impact that he could within the local church body. Whereas another guy, he was moving down the pathway, but he also saw the importance of being engaged at a high level in his church and allowing the church to catch the vision of disciple making, which maximized in an exponential way, the people that were moving down the pathway. And so I think if, if you, if you're a disciple maker, but you're going, man, the church, I'm not so sure, you know, the church, I'm not really into all that. uh, You know, you need to give that a second thought, you know, Jesus, Jesus died for the church. It's the church that multiplied and grew in the book of Acts. And uh, who knows, maybe you will be the very one that could create a culture of disciple making within the whole body that could multiply in in a really significant way. So you've got got this L2, L3, but L1 is the ultimate 
trajectory. You know, kind of going back to what we said earlier, Jesus was both a disciple maker and a kingdom builder. And to, to make disciples and build kingdoms, we need more and more disciple making leaders. And so really that's what the book is about that we have just uh, finished. It's in the final stages. I mean, we're maybe 30 days away, Glenn, I think, from finally getting that uh, thing to print. And it's simply called The Disciple-Making Leader. So you might give them a little idea of what they find in that. Yeah, so it's I, I can't wait. We've been working on this project, and it really has come out of just out of the the, the time we've been spending with, with leaders across the country and listening really well and recognizing that this issue of leadership is really, really important because everything rises and falls on leadership. Uh, and in order, you know, if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus recognized that for the movement to expand, you've got to have a, a growing number of leaders to help uh, to fan that, that movement forward. Mm-hmm. And so the book really does a great job in kind of, you know, talking about how we got to where we are, where, why is there a gap? Uh, why, why is this happening in our context today? But then it starts, then as you move out of that first chapter, we begin to lay out a really crystal clear strategy, real practical practices of how uh, you can begin to move people through the pathway and the pipeline and really begin to leverage people, not use people, leverage people to be disciple makers and kingdom builders and really see a movement of multiplying disciples happen. I I think it would be great for a church pastor and maybe his key leaders, if he doesn't have a staff or he and his staff to go through and begin his elders to, to think about and to look at and and uh, it's it's visionary, but it's practical, hands-on, uh, and really is very helpful tool that I think uh, when it comes to print, maybe late August, first of September, will be a, a wonderful resource for for church leaders in this idea of making disciple-making leaders. Yeah, we're pretty pumped about it. Uh, it's going to be rooted in the life of Christ. How did Jesus develop leaders at every level and how did he move them down the pathway and the pipe up the pipeline at the same time? So I think you'll find this, Hey, I can use this, these, uh, handles with every layer of leadership in our church. And so we're, we're excited to bring it to you. We're excited to be putting it to work in our own church. We're, this isn't just something we ride in ivory tower, man, we're banging it out. We're in the trenches too. And so uh, we hope that it will be a great uh, benefit to you and your ministry. Yeah, and they can just simply go onto our website, actually for Disciple First, and learn a little bit more about that book. It's you know it's uh, disciplefirst.org, disciplefirst.org, www.disciplefirst.org. Uh, there's a little deal about the book that's coming out, and then obviously uh, the resources that we have available in in the midst of all of that as well to help both pathway and that pipeline. Uh, and so however we might could come alongside you, pastors, leaders, um, we, we would love to be able to, to help you as you're thinking about this with, with wanting to get some more clarity wrapped around it. Yeah, very good. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We hope that this has been beneficial to you and we look forward to helping you both make disciples and build movements in where we live, learn, work, and play until Jesus comes back. Oh,
Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed that episode from Glenn and Craig from Disciple First. Make sure to check out disciplefirst.com after you finish this episode and see the resources that they have for you. Hey, it's official. We are less than a month away from our National Disciple Making Forum in Nashville, October 5th and 6th. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, please go over to discipleship.org and get those today because you're not going to want to miss out on this awesome conference. All right. Thank you for listening to the episode and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.